Welcome back to season three of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season has been focused on interviewing people who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. If that sounds like you, reach out. We can talk about having you on the show, too. As much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal. You can find the links to either option in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds do go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Just one last quick acknowledgement to a childhood hero of mine. Audrey Hepburn's birthday was yesterday. She was born May 4th of 1929. Audrey Hepburn would have been 94 years old today. Once more, happy birthday, Audrey Hepburn. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Amanda Blackwood, your host, and today I have with me an author, a consultant, and coach named Susan Gold. Uh, Susan grew up in a rather traumatic childhood and left immediately after high school uh, and then faced more challenges, but she is here today to talk about how she's overcome all of that stuff and she's ready and willing to help others. I think she's remarkable, and I'm really excited to have her on the show. Welcome, Susan. Hey, Amanda. I'm so delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on, and I'm super excited to get to speak with your listeners this, today. Absolutely. I'm As soon as you reached out to me uh, through Podmatch, I got all excited going, oh, I got to talk to this lady. <laughs> And and I was like dying to get to you too. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm surprised we didn't collide earlier to tell you the truth. (laughs) Well, I'm still somewhat new to this journey. So you never know what kind of connections you're going to make, I suppose. Um, They just keep coming. I think the universe has a way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Susan, tell us a little bit about where, where did you grow up? Where are you originally from? Well, thanks for asking. I'm originally from a teeny tiny town in the center of Pennsylvania. And um, it was a town of about, I don't know, a couple thousand maybe. And I couldn't wait to get out. Um, Everybody knows everyone. Um, I was raised in a very uh, strict religious kind of mode. Um, And uh, my father was an astrophysicist at the local university. And my mom initially was a homemaker. And it should have been idyllic, Amanda. I mean, beautiful rolling mountains, green, a river, you know, creeks, fields to explore. Um, But for me, most of the time, it felt like this sinister kind of energy lurking um, and sort of snakes in the background and the foreground. Wow. So how did all these snakes start to manifest? What was going on? Well, first of all, I just want to say um, my my parents did the very best they could. It was hurt and abused children raising hurt and abused children. And it goes way back in the bloodline. Um, 
Oh, whew. my father uh, was an alcoholic. You'd hear the dry sink open at 7.30 in the morning and you'd hear glug, 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 glug. And my mom, in my own personal opinion, and I've realized this putting the pieces together much later in my adulthood, I truly believe she was mentally ill. And I do know she was on diet pills, which is speed back then. Um, that's what doctors prescribed. So it was very chaotic. You never knew what was coming through the door. Um, and I'd have to say the first time I cognitively remember this, um, is when I was four years old and those listeners that may have children uh, nearby or people sensitive may want to ask them to go outside and play. Um, <laughs> we were, we were upstairs, um, on the second floor of this tiny little bungalow that we were renting from the school five kids, two adults. My mom was giving us all baths, but I was like getting all squirmy. It was going to be my turn. The, the bath water was like halfway down. It was totally gray, but I was super excited to get in and I was screaming. And all of a sudden my mom's demeanor just snapped and she grabbed my arm hard. Like I could feel her fingers down into my bone and she shook me and she said, why are you such a problem, you spoiled brat? And then she started to beat me hard. And I saw stars. It got really hot. The room started to swirl and I started to brown out. And I knew at that point, Amanda, that it wasn't safe. Sometimes my mommy was so nice and so loving and other times she would just turn into this monster that I didn't know if I could survive. Wow. My gosh. So I understand that you left immediately after you got out of high school. Was that the end of you having to deal with trauma and abuse? Oh my goodness. No. <laughs> The tracks were laid well. <laughs> I mean, I I am grateful that I had the courage to actually leave because as I mean, I dreamed of that time and I dreamed of that time. But when it came closer and closer, I started to get really anxious. So I'm really glad I could go through with it. I did leave at quarter to eight in the morning, the, the morning after I graduated from high school. I rarely went back, but but just because you go elsewhere doesn't mean your circumstances and situations and traumas don't follow you. So I think um, addiction was the first thing that I, that I realized. And what was happening were behaviors I saw demonstrated in my home were starting to repeat in my own life. And so that was the first red flag. And um I was at work one day and I realized I, I like took a slug out of the wine jug to ask for a raise. And I'm like, yeah, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> Just doesn't seem to fit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I can kind of picture the moment though. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think um, addiction, alcoholism, it's, it runs rampant it, certainly in my family, but I think I'm one of the first few to address it. And I've been clean for decades. Um, I think that's really the, the base platform I needed um, to have any kind of real recovery from my experience. Um, 
And then the next issue to tackle or issues were um, clinical depression um, and then narcissistic relationships um, because that was natural to me. Right. Right. I mean, when a child grows up with the people that they love and the people who love them abusing them also, they learn that the two coexist and it's hard to accept one without the other. And if somebody's not abusing you or controlling you or acting jealous about what you're doing, then they don't really love you. You're just a waste of their time. That is so well put. And I wish I knew that as clearly as you said that decades ago. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Hard fought for and won to gain those understandings. I, I do want to say that um, traditional talk therapy did help me lay down the storyline, Amanda, but ultimately that just circled me square back to where I was when I started. And so what's really helping me transform is more somatic modalities. And what I mean by that is like going into my body. Cause that's where my, I mean, my body is just like a roadmap of trauma and that's where I hold it. And to go into those parts and explore the sensations and the feelings and whether they're current or they're past or they're ancient and then to release them that's really served to shift the neural neural pathways in my brain and to shift the programming absolutely it's huge when you find that ability to um when we had originally contacted, you answered some questions for me, and you mentioned that some of the other things that you did, um, one of them was to face the truth while not pointing fingers. How difficult was that? Oh, so that's super hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that didn't come easily. Um, I was able to do that um, while I was dissecting what had happened to me. And then once I was able to gain some kind of distance and compassion for self, then I could turn and shift and take a look at my challengers or my predators, however you want to look at it, and my challenges, and see the backstory there. I mean, in in the case of my mom, her own father was beaten almost to the point of death by uh, his stepmother. So he carried that on into his own family and would do the same to my mother. And then she was expected to act as if nothing was wrong. And she had also been molested and suffered horrid sexual abuse. Um, And so here she was in this marriage with this, Peter Pan, alcoholic predator who was full on cheating almost since the honeymoon. And I mean, that's rough. And she's got five kids. She's not even 30 and she's got to swing with it. Uh, I'd be kind of kooky too. Yeah, I think I'd probably be pretty upset. And my oldest brother who... um, I experienced the majority of my own um, sexual trauma and abuse with. I love him dearly now. I confronted him. I did a lot of work and I confronted him and he said, none of that stuff ever happened. But if it did, here's why it happened. 
And he has very little memory. It's almost like complete blackout amnesia of his upbringing. And I have huge compassion for what he's carrying because it's pretty much unexamined. And now he's, you know, starting to ask questions because he's in agony, you know? So I have compassion. As a matter of fact, my publisher um, gave me the title of the book. My title was much different. The current title is Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. And my title was Magical Illumination because that's what it's been. It's been amazing to turn this full circle and really reflect and really get free. Because otherwise, like I'm eating the rat poison, expecting my perpetrator to fall down dead. Yes. <laughs> yep. Really, exactly. Doesn't really work. <laughs> and that's that's how I often explain uh, holding on to anger instead of discovering what forgiveness is, too. And, you know, I can absolutely identify with what you just said about your brother. The first person that ever uh, molested me, I was four. My brother was seven. Um to this day, he still tries to claim that it never happened, and he's adamant and very angry about it. But he also, in the same time, in the same breath, states very clearly that he has no memory before joining the military when he was 19 years old. He has completely blacked out our entire childhood, but still adamantly denies any kind of abuse. Um, and I've, I've actually said many, many times in interviews that I don't blame him for the things that were done. He was seven years old. There's no way he should have known those things at that age. He was going through something that caused him to black out his entire childhood. And it was something so traumatic that he was trying to process it. And his, in his seven-year-old brain, all he could think of was to try to work through these things with his little sister. Cause I was the only person around that he could talk to. Mm. Yeah. And that cycle is so tragic and it's actually sad from both ends when you have the perspective that we've been fortunate enough to experience and to embrace. Right being able to discover the strength within yourself to let go of that anger is it's monumental. It changes someone's life. It, it really does. And I do want to acknowledge that it does take work. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. I wouldn't recommend going it alone. I would definitely recommend getting support and people who have been through it and understand it. I went really early on um, to meetings, you know, support meetings for survivors. And um, I found help there. And then I got professional help. But, you know, the odd thing is, Amanda, it, it still it carried on, you know, I had different layers of it. I was, I was being sexually abused in the workplace at one point. And surprisingly, um, growing up, I used to watch Barbara Walters on my belly, on my beanbag in my basement going, yeah, I'm going to go to New York City. I'm going to be like that lady. Well, well, not exactly like that lady, but I did end up training her. I was her personal exercise trainer for a bit on the side wow. to make money. And yeah, and I rang her doorbell one morning at 7 a.m. And she immediately knew something was up. 
So she got it out of me the day before, you know, the guy that I was working with <sighs> used to invite young actresses in at 4 a.m. for their casting call at or 4 p.m. and asked me to leave the office. It was so awkward. Um, and then he tried the same thing on me. So Barbara said to me, look, I'm coming to work with you this morning and we're going to confront this man. <laughs> and I'm like, Thank you, Barbara. I got it covered. I, I did confront him that day. He promptly fired me on the spot and I ended up, you know, being so uh, bruised, not only by that trauma, but the traumas, the many traumas that had come before. And I was newly sober and I was in therapy it's stuff still happens, but the, the positive was I was able to create, um, my own, um, firm matching celebrities with brands, um, before it was chic. And I became very successful and known for that ability, which led me into producing for film and television, which was really cool. But when you're in that world and you come from a backstory of use and abuse, it's pretty hard to separate yourself from that even with tools once you get tools it's it's definitely a process but it does come and it also kind of highlights susan that it doesn't matter where you are in your journey you can be one of the most successful people on the planet that doesn't mean that you have not experienced severe trauma of your own that's a really good point and i'm glad you bring that up and a lot of us that have that are survivors that have experienced trauma and even are in recovery and successful, generally we lay ourselves open for, for abuse, narcissistic abuse in particular. And excuse me, that's ultimately where I found myself. I think everything came together when I got a job offer to go to LA and I thought it was a fabulous career move. And I went, but it really wasn't for that job. It was really to meet one of my greatest gurus. And that was the man who would become my ex-husband. Wow. He pulled all the pieces together, Amanda, all the pieces together. I'd been a long time meditator. I went on week-long silent meditation retreats and an endurance athlete, marathons, triathlons, and then ultimately a national ranking in swimming after working like an NC2A athlete in my adulthood. But that was also to numb some of the pain that I was in still. And this is like decades after all sorts of therapeutic modalities. And I was, I was living more happily than I had, but I still had a low sense of worth and self-esteem. And when I realized that I was married to whom I would classify as a narcissist. Um, I didn't want to leave. I did everything I could to hold that relationship together because I did not want to fail. And we had a young son. He was, I think, nine at the time. But um, ultimately, I, I couldn't hold it together. I, I tried a post-nuptial agreement to, get, to give the relationship integrity in the financial area. And we got to the last point and I thought, oh my gosh, I've saved my marriage. It's a happy ending. And he crossed his arms over his chest and his eyes went in that dark, cold sort of reptilian look. 
And he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. And I heard that little angelic voice on my right shoulder whisper, this is the universe doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And we proceeded into a hell. He actually took command of the master bedroom in the home I had bought and paid for our family and maintained. I ended up on a mattress on the floor in a partial conversion in the garage. And I was there for the year it took holding no contact, no eye contact and no verbal contact, only contact in writing. And honestly, I used the same five sentences to get through that period to the point where we settled and I wrote him his six figure check and he moved on. And that was what it took for me to really wake up to the abuse that I'd been through and the trauma I had yet to release in my body. And that's when things really started to shift. And I started on the journey of living from my own heart center and I, I, I realized in hindsight, I really didn't understand what living from the heart really meant because I had so much goop and dings and bangs and yeah. slop. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tough road. It's a terrible road. It's a lonely road. It is lonely, but thank God there's people like you, Amanda, and there's other survivors along the way. And there's other experts that really actually know what they're doing. Some of them have actually been through it. Um, yeah, to help us along. And the other thing that's really been essential for me to be able to continue this walk for me is to understand that, you know, I came in with a plan. I came in with a, a process of soul evolution. I think next time I'm going to read the fine print and maybe like change the contract a bit because it's been a little intense this time around. But, um, you know, to be blessed to understand that this was all puzzle pieces coming together so I could completely understand who I am as a human being inside me and to authentically understand my power. I mean, I am so much different now. I used to like hang on any male attention since second grade and Billy Fritz, you know, I just had to have it. I don't, I don't need that anymore. I'm in a relationship now because I have genuine respect and honor. And it's a man who actually like comes to the plate. Like he'll open my car door and I'll be like, whoa, you know, <laughs> jump back. <laughs> he I, he I, takes I, out the trash. <laughs> I met one of those right after my book was published in 2021. And he's my husband now. <laughs> I love that, Amanda. That's a happily ever after. I'm yep. still, I'm still like looking to the side and back and up and down wondering when he's going to change into the, into what I'm used to, but so far so good. Not, <laughs> yeah. Not Waiting for that other shoe to drop, man. That was a long wait. And it, I think, I think for me, I finally started to realize that he's not getting mad. He's not getting jealous. He's not throwing temper tantrums. I think this is who this guy really is. Uh, which was a good thing. I finally came to that realization because we were already married at that point. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go girl. <laughs> but he's, he's incredible. He is super patient. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that when you've survived this kind of trauma, a lot of times for, until you are completely healed from this trauma, you continuously gravitate towards those kinds of people. But once you are healed and you know that you're healed and you are willing to communicate with somebody and they are able to accept all of your past and understand that you've moved beyond it, that's when you're finally ready and able to have that healthy, open, honest, loving relationship. He read my full autobiography before we were ever engaged. Oh, I love that. And my, my beau just ordered my book off Amazon. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Kyle didn't even tell me he was getting my book until he already had it. And it was on his uh, coffee table when I came over one day. I was like, you, you have my book. He says, I've already read your book. Like what? Uh, <laughs> and oh, he told me, he told me later on, he said, you know, when I read your book, that was when I knew that I'd met the person that I was going to marry. Because if you could go through everything that you'd been through and still come out this loving, kind person that you are I knew I needed more of that in my life and that's that's the thrill yeah that we have this sort of angelic energy about us even with all all the pain and the agony I mean I I went back to a family gathering this this past summer I guess yeah it'll be a year this coming August and my dad at one point (laughs) said to me are you sure you you're from this family? You belong in this family. <laughs> you're so nice. <laughs> it took work, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now that you're out of all of that stuff and you've moved on and you've got this good, happy, healthy life, how do you celebrate your wins in life? Oh, I love that question. So before I would hide behind the chair, just poo-poo it. But now I can stand up and go, yeah, it is my happy birthday today. And it is amazing what I've survived and what I've stood up to. Holy cow, I'm amazing. And just the simple things, just taking a breath or, you know, if I don't feel like going out on my three mile walk and I wanna walk around, you know, around the yard a little bit, that's like a win for me. That's like a celebratory win to be gentle and soothing with myself and to honor that precious little one that's inside me. That stuff used to make me puke. You know, they talk about the inner child and all that stuff. And I'd be like, ah, or, you know, put your hand on your heart and say, I love you or look in the mirror and do the same. I'm like, that's for weenies. But, but it's honest, hard to do that when you don't like your inner child and you don't love yourself. Exactly. Exactly. But when you get beaten up to the point where that billboard goes boing and you don't have a choice, it yeah. becomes imperative. And yep. so maybe I didn't start out with my hand on my heart saying, I love you, but I could put my hand on my solar plexus and say, you're okay. It's Okay and the trauma started to settle. And then eventually I could move to my heart and take a breath and connect with that sweet, dear soul that's been through it all. Yeah, and that is such a perfect place to start. You gotta connect with who you are. 
who would you say is your hero? You have a hero? Well, you know, this is really, this is going to sound so cocky, but it's me today. I have to be honest. You know, as you asked me that question, I looked out my window and there's, there's a chain of mountains right outside and there's a beautiful peak that the Indians used to worship on. And I heard, I heard the voice say, you, you. And so I knew I had to tell the truth. I am my own hero at this moment today. Yes. And that's not coming from my ego. That's coming from the core of my being and, and my soul. You did the hard work and you saved yourself. You stopped looking for a hero and you became one. And now I want to help other people that are in similar circumstances. Speaking of, um, I understand that you have a special offer for some of the listeners. Hey, so if anybody's out there and you just want to have a conversation, like you may be experiencing your own stuff or you may not even know, but something's up. You feel like you're wrapped in saran wrap or you're just different or you don't know who your tribe is. Yeah, just reach out. You can through susangold.us. That's my website. And um, you can put yourself on my email list, but you can also send me an email through the site, info at susangold.us. And we'll hop on a call and connect. I would love to do that for your listeners. That is awesome. I know there's a lot of people that can get an awful lot of strength just talking to you and, and hearing more of your story. Um, do you have a sample of your book that you would like to, um, to read for us? Maybe a couple pages or something? Oh, wow. So believe it or not, the hard copy hasn't come through yet. I have my galley, but if people go today to my site, susangold.us and just drop in your email address, don't worry. You can unsubscribe if you want to. And I rarely reach out probably, you know, once a month, don't worry. It's not every day or every week. Um, but there's a free audio snippet and it's, it's pretty intense. I think it's a good audio snippet. Um, it's free and your listeners will be able to hear it all there. Oh, very cool. I know there's a few people that are going to be checking that out. Probably me first. Um, cause I, I know about it before the listeners. Uh, <laughs> and there's always... details amanda <laughs> yeah i love those little details there's always one last question that i always ask people before i let them go it's my favorite question because it means so much to me personally what is one thing that you truly love about yourself that is not based on your personal appearance one thing that i i love my energy <laughs> <laughs> people people comment on it I didn't understand it at first but now I'm starting to get it and just like people that are in my presence like at the end of the conversation or the meetup or whatever they always say wow I feel so much better wow you have an amazing energy but yeah that's I think that's it and that has nothing to do with my appearance but I guess it could yeah, that's, that's exactly the point of the question is avoiding comments about our personal appearance, digging down deep and thinking about the things we love about ourselves. And that's been a gift, especially as, you know, I'm going through the aging process and coming from LA and New York, you know, all the, the faux work and everything. I, I don't want to do that. I want to know the person that I'm going to be. 
at the end of all this. I want to know every wrinkle and every <laughs> brown spot and every sagging bag. Cause you know, Amanda, I feel like we've earned it. Yes. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. We have every right to age gracefully. We've earned every mark on our skin. Mm. Yeah. I feel the relief in you're saying that. And, and I kind of feel the sadness coming up in my torso because I really don't want to leave this conversation. It's been so lovely. I've been looking forward to it. It's just so profound uh, for the soul when you're able to really connect with somebody else who's in your community that really gets you. And, and that's certainly with the story you've been through, the story I've been through. So I just want to thank you again. And thank you so much. Of course. I have a feeling that uh, we haven't heard the last of each other. I think we'll be keeping in touch. I look forward to it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Susan. I loved having you on the show. It was fun. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. There you're going to find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted, but I can say that I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune into my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com.